All right, welcome back to the Mike Farrell Sports Show. I am not Mike Farrell. My name is Adam Eaton, and I am uh, joined by Mike Farrell, the godfather of recruiting. Uh, we have uh, embarked on this new endeavor. He's been kind enough to uh, to let me hone in on what he's working on. So first off, Mike, thanks for the nice welcome to the uh, Mike Farrell Sports family. Excited about getting rolling with you. Yeah, it's it's, it's fun. And as you can see, it's going to be as professional as I am. Dirty hat, no yeah. backdrop, Gatorade in the background, bubbly, just looking for sponsors. So maybe Gatorade or uh, bubbly will, will hit me up here. But I want it to be no frills, just you know, sports talk, just guys talking. Well, we have fancy graphics behind you. So maybe we can, uh, that'll help uh, the audience a little bit. And you've got a ping hat on I hear, you know, the tour is not doing so well. Maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll need some sponsorship, Mike, but uh, people aren't here for our golf talk. I don't think maybe we'll come back to that later. People want football talk and probably the biggest name right now in the recruiting circuit is none other than Arch Manning. Obviously everyone knows Arch Manning, the legacy name, knows his family he's, he's been on the tour of lady and, and around schools like what are you hearing on the latest now he was at georgia and some time at bama but he's got texas coming up where, where, are we, where are we at with arch manning these days uh you know so the the georgia visit went very well and you know i got a lot of information out of that visit and you know the the presentation that kirby and and todd monken made to him as far as you know his progression as a georgia bulldog and you know how he fits in you know, the depth chart, Alabama has been super quiet. Um, haven't heard a lot about it. Uh, I've heard that it went well. Um, you know, I've heard that the pitch was similar to what you'd expect from a Nick Saban. You know, we, we took Eli Holstein in this class. He's a four-star kid. You're going to come in as, as, you know, one of two quarterbacks. Uh, obviously you're going to be given an opportunity to compete and start. Um, you know, Bryce Young is going to be gone off to the NFL and, if you want to win national titles and be a first-round draft pick, this is the place to come. Uh, that's more the Alabama approach to recruiting. It's like, we'll win with you, we'll win without you. Um, we'd rather win with you. Uh, and then Texas is this this upcoming weekend, and that's a big one because, you know, Texas and, and his relationship with Steve Sarkeesian, his love of Austin, the city, um, his, his want to be, you know, I guess in a college town and not a spectacle um is important to him and, and texas has been the the most comfortable school for him so far so you know right now i think if he had to pick he would pick uga uh but i think texas has the chance here with the last visit uh and they're in the driver's seat you know they just they they just can't screw it up and they have to win football games this season because i'm sure he's gonna be looking at that what about his, you mentioned sark is he kind of a wild card in this process right obviously you know, he, he's a pretty big name coach, charismatic guy. What about his connection with coaches? Do you think that that Sark connection is enough to, to break him from UGA and, and the lure of the, the overlord that is Nick Saban? I mean, is Sark that charismatic that you think he could sell Arch? He can. He has a good relationship with the, with the family. Um, you know, obviously they're from Louisiana. Texas is closer to home. He, you know, it, it's not what he did at Texas that he's selling. It's what he did at Alabama, you know, I mean, he was obviously involved in the development of two quarterbacks that went in the first round. And, you know, especially the Mac Jones development, I think, was especially impressive because that was a kid who waited his turn. Um, you know, a lot of people discounted him as as a guy who could get it done. And, and he really went above and beyond and he had a very good rookie season. So that's what he's selling. You know, Saban is hard to beat in recruiting. Um, but the problem they have there is Jalen Milrow is extremely talented. Um and weirdly enough, 
Alabama plays Ole Miss every season. And, and I know you're going to say that's stupid. It's crazy. Why would that even impact? It comes up every time I talk to anybody. There's an Ole Miss connection. Georgia got hurt by Matt Luke leaving. Matt Luke used to be the, co- the head coach at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is out because Lane Kiffin was the coach at Tennessee, and he left in the middle of the night. And, and Peyton still holds that dear to his heart and, and the way things ended there. And I don't think they believe Lane Kiffin's going to stay there. So the Ole Miss factor is there that he's not going to go there, but Alabama playing Ole Miss every year is, is not good for Alabama, believe it or not. Uh, it's better that Georgia is a sort of a cross divisional foe. Um, but Texas being out of the SEC, they'll be in in 2025. You don't know where they're going to be plugged in or who the rival is going to be and all that stuff. There's a lot of unknowns. So if I had to rate the coaches, Sark would probably be first when it comes to the relationship with the family over Saban and, and uh, Kirby Smart. Because remember, those guys are defensive coaches as well. Is there anything to, I mean, Georgia, unfortunately, I mean, they haven't developed a ton of NFL caliber quarterbacks in the last couple of years under Kirby Smart. Is that a knock on them? Is that something you think Arch and the Mannings are looking at saying, well, you know, Alabama, you've got Bill O'Brien, right? You've got NFL caliber. You just mentioned what you have in Sark and what he did. Georgia, who's the guy they point to and go, hey, hey look, we, we did this with this guy. Who's that guy for them? They don't really have one. I mean, obviously, the, the whole Justin Fields situation was mishandled. Uh, they still won a national championship. And believe it or not, the guy they're pointing to is Stetson Bennett in a way. Now, Stetson Bennett does not have the talent of an Arch Manning. He was a walk-on kid, went to JUCO, came back. Um, but, you know, he won the job. He ended up beating out Brock Vandegrift, who's a five-star quarterback, who's still on the roster and, and is, you know, going to be one of the guys that Arch would be competing with. Uh, they've got Gunnar Stockton, Carson Beck, other highly rated quarterbacks. But Todd Monken and the job that he did with with Stetson Bennett, I think, is going to be what the focus is and the selling point there. You know, but they had Jacob Eason, five-star quarterback. He transferred out when Jake Fromm beat him, five-star quarterback. Jake Fromm held off Justin Fields, five-star quarterback. So when you look at all of that, Eason went off to Washington, didn't do that great. Fromm ended up being a mid-round pick, didn't do that great, and wasn't an NFL guy as far as development. Um, You know, and Justin Fields went off to Ohio State, and he became a first-round pick. So mismanagement is there, and I think they're trying to overcome that with, well, we can do it with anybody. Imagine your skill set if we did this with Seth Bennett. Do we have any sense for how much family influence, how much any of the the illustrious Mannings that were involved in this, or is that Arch's kind of confidant group right now as, as he's kind of weighing this decision? Well, Cooper's the the big key here. You know, Cooper, obviously, or Arch's mom and dad are, are the keys here. And Cooper is the least known Manning, and he was an athletic wide receiver who went to Ole Miss and had, you know, diagnosed with spinal stenosis, ended his career. And everybody loves to say he's the most athletic of the Mannings, and he probably is. Uh, Archie, you know, not hard. Archie is the patriarch, you know, he's not going to be involved. Um, you know, he's the grandfather and, and, and that's fine. Uh, but I don't think he's overly involved. Um, and Peyton and, and Eli are involved from a, Hey, this is the decisions we made. This is what you're going to deal with in college. And this is, you know, how you deal with being a highly touted quarterback and, you know, number one overall pick in the draft, if they get to that point. So, but I think this decision comes down to Arch and his parents, you know, really as to what fit. And again, it goes back to he's such a big name. He doesn't like the attention. He put up a Twitter account 
by protest. You know, I don't think he still tweeted. NIL doesn't matter because they've got money and it's not yeah. one of those situations. And this is really about him trying to have his normal experience for three years at a college as he possibly can uh, as a quarterback named Manning. What's the timeline you think for his decision? Do you think obviously as Texas coming up, do you think he takes that the next year? Or you think he does something pre before the season starts? Do you have any sense of the timeline and when he's looking to, to make an announcement? I think if he's going to choose, you know, UGA or Alabama, I think I think he'll do it at the end of this month. I think Texas is the interesting one because, you know, if he commits to Texas, so here's here's the the two sides of things. He wants to get into a class early enough where he can impact the talent coming to the class. Arch Manning okay. commits to the school, wide receivers, offensive linemen, you know, uh, running backs, even defensive players are going to be interested more so in that school than they would be before because he's a talent and a big name. So that's important, but he also doesn't want to be a kid who decommits, you know, from what I've heard. Um, you know, the, the Mannings have a tremendous reputation uh, as far as, you know, character is concerned. And, 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 you know, they feel, I believe it would be sort of a blight on his resume if he committed to a Texas and then they went out and got destroyed by Alabama and Oklahoma and Sark's on the hot seat and he has to decommit and go someplace else. So, so that's also a factor here. I think if he waits, I think Texas is in the, in the driver's seat. And I think they're the team that he's just watching to see how they start the season. Um, and if he commits to Texas in June, that would be very, very interesting to me because that means he doesn't care how the start goes, but he does care if Sark's going to be there. So I think he's going to wait um, a little bit, not too long. I think he's going to be a summer decision. I think he's going to recruit for his class um, and use that name to help bolster the talent and the roster uh, from the recruiting class in 2023. But that is a very, very good question, the timeline, because they don't have one. Um, right. You know, it could have ended any time, and it, it, it could continue right until the early signing period in December. Do you see any dark horse schools coming out of left field, 11th hour, making a pitch that you would give any sort of credence to, hey, they may have a shot to get in his ear? Nah, I, I don't. You know, I mean, obviously, other schools like Florida and LSU have been mentioned with their new head coaches. And, you know, he likes Brian Kelly, even though he's not known as a great quarterback developer. He likes Billy Napier, even though he's never really coached at that power five level as a, as a head coach. You know, Ole Miss is the one that, that is always in there. Clemson, he visited. He, he liked Dabo, but he didn't really, from what I understand, like this, the city. You know, it wasn't enough for him. Uh, he wants a small college town, but he wants a small college town that has a lot to do, which is why I think also Athens and Austin are probably the two uh, favorites for him when it comes to towns. Now, Ole Miss, you know, I, I just don't see how that happens. You know, it, it, it's it may be stupid to a lot of people, but it's very smart to the Mannings. They 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 love Ole Miss. Ole Miss is in their family. Cooper, Eli, Archie. Um, but it's not just the Kiffin left in the middle of the night at Tennessee, but it's like, will he leave again? And there's just so many rumors about him being involved in other jobs last year and job openings last year that I don't think they could project that he's going to be there for three years. Mike, that would be so much fun. The, the, the storylines each week having amazing. him and, and, uh, and Ole Miss, it would be so much fun for guys like you and I to talk about every week. And Kiffin. I mean, Kiffin's fun. You know, I would love to see Arch – go to oldness. I would absolutely love it. You know, UGA's 
that's fine. They've won a national championship. Alabama, that's fine. They've won a national championship. Texas is interesting, but I mean, they got Quinn Ewers. We can follow his five-star number one recruit journey, right? Ole Miss, sure. Have that. Let's let's you know. Let's go to Ole Miss and and keep the legacy going and and see what happens with him and Giffen because I think it'd be a great combination. But I I think this is a situation where it's going to come down to Arch and his parents, but. But everybody kind of has to stamp off on this, and not everybody is. I saw on Twitter today, Eli was at, at Gainesville talking around with Tim Tebow. Now, he could be doing that ESPN show Eli does where he goes to college places. Maybe he's doing some recon. Maybe they call Tebow in 11th hour to make a call to, to Arch. Possibility? I don't think so. It, it is funny because Peyton was at the um, – at a golf tournament in Oklahoma last weekend when, when Oklahoma was having their big barbecue or whatever, people thought that he was skipping out on his Alabama visit to go to Oklahoma. And no, there's so many rumors. There's great rumors. Um, but I really think that this family has, has really narrowed down their choices. They've done a good job of doing that. Um, and they, they, a lot of people are critical of them because, you know, just commit already, but I think they've handled this well. Um, and, and I think he's been leaning towards certain schools at certain different times, Texas at one point. Then when Quinn Ewers transferred, Texas sort of fell off. Georgia at one point. Then when they floored it with Caleb Williams in the transfer portal, they fell off a little bit. Um, I, I think they're just holding their water and, and being smart about this. Um, so for another school to get involved this late would really, really surprise me, even if a Tim Tebow picked up the phone and said, hey, you know, come to Gainesville. Well, as much as you like Arch Manning, Mike, you are not one who is shy about getting out there with an opinion. And uh, and as much as Arch is great, he's not your number one quarterback. You uh, you feel really strong about Malachi Nelson as your number one. Uh, tell us, A, are you okay? You feeling all right? And B, what leads you to that conclusion that Malachi Nelson is better than the all-world Arch Manning? So Arch Manning, 6'4", 215. He's very filled out. He doesn't look that big in pictures, but he is physically – uh, he's not fully filled out, but he's a big quarterback and he's athletic and he can move and he's got the name Manning and, you know, all the intangibles and he's been coached up by Manning's forever. Right. Malachi Nelson's ceiling hasn't been reached yet or even close to it. I think we might be close to Arch Manning's ceiling, as stupid as that sounds, because that would be like saying, well, Peyton's ceiling was reached as a freshman at Tennessee or Eli's was reached early at Ole Miss. It doesn't make sense with the Mannings to say that, but Malachi Nelson, six foot three, is listed 175. Now, just this past weekend, you know, he was in a seven on seven tournament and he looks much thicker. He's added pounds. I think he's probably 195 by now. I think he could play at 210. Um, he's not the biggest or thickest quarterback in the world, but man, is he fluid. Everything he does is just so fluid <clears throat> that when I watch him, I, I really have trouble finding faults. And when I watch Arch, especially sometimes with the field vision and downfield and, you know, going through progressions, which are the things you'd think a, a Manning would have, um, he still struggles with that. He doesn't play great competition there. Not that Lois Al out in California is the best, but I, I just think the way Malachi Nelson is, is built – the way he's sort of headed towards his projection and his ceiling. And listen, the fit at USC under Lincoln Riley is a great one. Absolutely great. You know, Caleb will be there for this year and next. Malachi Nelson will walk in there and he'll put up monster numbers and he'll be 
a potential number one overall pick. Now, in the draft, if you got a choice between a Malachi Nelson and an Arch Manning, NFL teams might take the guy with the name Manning. But I, I really might, like yeah. his, his upside is just <clears> – <throat> it's off the charts. He's so fluid in everything from footwork to, to release to mechanics. I just – I have trouble finding flaws, and that doesn't mean he's the best quarterback I've seen – you know, ever since Trevor Lawrence or whatever, he's just, he's good at everything. And Arch has some flaws um, that are probably overlooked as the last name Manning. I was going to ask that. I mean, how much does Malachi Nelson not be called Malachi Manning help him, right? To get a chance to flow under the radar and sort of surprise some people, right? Because a lot of eyes are obviously pointed in Arch's direction. And he's committed too. I mean, that's the thing. You know, Malachi was committed to Oklahoma, then Lincoln Riley switched to USC, and then he's going to USC. He's done. He, he's There's no drama. There's, you know, if he takes any visits, I don't think it's going to matter. Uh, whereas Arch is in the news every day. You know, if Arch sneezes, there, there's a report about it. And I think the hype around Arch just swallows everybody else. And Malachi Nelson, like, listen, he's my number one player in the country. My number two player is Arch Manning. So it's not like there's a big difference. But I've got two quarterbacks at the top in 2023, and I've got Malachi ahead of Arch. Yeah, interesting to see how how his USC journey goes, right? I mean, you mentioned obviously he's going to sit for a little bit. Will he be okay with that? I mean, obviously kids are – I mean, I assume Arch wants to play right away. And wherever he goes, will Malachi be all right sitting, you think, as Caleb sort of takes the reins and reruns that Lincoln-Riley offense out west? I think so. I mean, I, th I think he knows what he's getting into. There's no surprises. You know, Arch Manning doesn't know what he's getting into at Georgia because, you know, Bennett's been there for 15 years, so he's going to be gone. <laughs> How good is Vandegrift? How good is Gunnar Stockton? How good is Carson Beck? You know, who am I? You know, there's a lot of unknowns there. Uh, Texas, we haven't seen Quinn Ewers play yet, so we don't know how good he is. So there's question marks there. And, and in Alabama, Jalen Monroe is the backup, and he's awesome. You know, they got Ty Simpson and, you know, uh, obviously Eli Holstein in this class. I think Malachi Nelson knows what he's getting at USC. He knows Caleb Williams, the guy this year. He knows Caleb Williams, the guy the following year. He can learn under him, and I don't think he's going to be impatient. You know, I think if there was an issue, it would have come up by now with Caleb Williams making the spring decision to go to USC. Malachi Nelson might have flipped out and said, I'm going someplace else. Um, and DJ Petway, who's a very, very, very talented five-star quarterback from Texas, loves USC as well. Um, and he's a 2024 kid. I don't think Malachi Nelson cares. I like his demeanor. I like his confidence. I like everything about him. I don't think he cares. And I think he's just going to go out there and he's going to be as good as he wants to be. Um, and I think what's exciting here is these Pac-12 quarterbacks, you know, at UCLA, UCLA and USC, we haven't seen a lot of those guys recently. You know, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold were first rounders a few years ago. But, you know, we've had the Slovises and the JT Daniels and guys like that transfer out. We've had Dorian Thompson Robinson be at UCLA for a few years and sort of just sort of level out. We're going to start seeing finally – you know, and it seems like it's been ages. It's only been five or six years, but we're going to start seeing USC quarterbacks and, and probably UCLA quarterbacks really start to shine on a national level, Heisman-wise, NFL draft-wise, and I think that's what's needed for the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, Chip and Lincoln both out there running offenses in L.A., and that's got to be a, a – a quarterback festival out there. And I mean, it's got, there's got to be kids who are going to be, you know, knocking on their doors, trying to get involved. Whereas to your point in the past, 
you know, those kids went to Clemson, those kids went to Georgia. Now it opens up that Western pipeline. That's gotta be, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, are you seeing that impact already? Are you seeing the, the Lincoln Riley gravitational pull already sort of making some moves out West? Yeah. Last year they could have, you know, filled that class. They could have filled that class late. Um, they had everybody, you know, wanting to commit. And, and I'm not talking about guys that, you know, early signing period kids were signed and done. And, but a lot of the, the later kids, you know, the, the 15% that were still left were very interested in USC. Um, but also a lot of the talented kids in the 2023 class wanted to commit early. Um, and from what I was told and, and from good sources, Riley held off. So they ended up with, you know, not a big class last year. They've got nine commits this year. They're going very slow. Um, you know, last year was 10 commitments. They could load up their class tomorrow because there's so many kids lining up to play. But he's being picky about it. He's going to be smart about it. He's kind of being Pete Carroll about it because he's going to recruit nationally as well. And, you know, we all saw what Pete Carroll did when he recruited nationally. So USC is as hot as any program in the country when it comes to recruiting right now. Um, and it, that offer means something. It, back in the day, when you got a USC offer in the mid-2000s, it was a huge, huge, huge deal. And, 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 you know, since then it hasn't been. But now if you get that USC offer, all of a sudden it's a big deal again. Yeah, I mean, Trojan fans are would love to hear you talking about the Pete Carroll days, right? I think that'll be a welcome change for uh, uh, the folks in the West. But let's stay in the quarterback room for a second. Uh, what's going on in Michigan? I know, uh, obviously, they're the mix for a few different guys. I know that's a situation you're monitoring closely. What's going on with the QB situation uh, with the Michigan Wolverines? Well, so obviously, you had C.J. Carr, a five-star kid from Michigan, who's the grandson of Lloyd Carr, committed to Notre Dame. And then Michigan fans lost their mind. And, and it, you know, I was talking to Rick Neuheisel earlier today on Full Ride Radio on Sirius. And, you know, he and I talked, we talked uh, off air and on air. And both of us had this suspicion that comes with being in college football for 25, 30 years that Michigan didn't really want him. He wasn't their top guy, right? Um, because had they wanted him, I think there's no way CJ Carr goes to Notre Dame. I, I think there's no way Lloyd Carr is wearing a Notre Dame hat on the, you know, on 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 a on a Saline High School campus or on a Michigan campus or anywhere, um, you know, being okay with a legacy going to Notre Dame. Um, Dante Moore is a five-star quarterback from MLK in, in Michigan. He's higher on their list. You know, 2024 is is Carr's year. He's a 2024 quarterback. I think personally, you know, they've got a couple other guys that they like better, um, you know, and, and I think they feel they have a better chance of being a little bit more athletic um, and a little bit more dangerous with guys like Jaden Davis from Charlotte Providence Day, who's a smaller quarterback but can move. He's a he's a lean towards Michigan right now. Julian Sand from Carlsbad, California, five-star kid that Michigan's recruiting heavily. So. This was one of those things where it's like we have to offer and recruit a, a kid named Carr, who's the grandson of Lloyd, who's a great player, who's got 40 offers, who everybody wants. But that doesn't mean he's number one on our board. I think he was like four or five. So Michigan fans that are freaking out, listen, on paper, it looks bad. You know, a legacy and everybody's saying, OK, Harbaugh doing interviews on signing day with the NFL. It's not good, blah, blah, blah. 
it's not as bad as you think. Now, if they lose Dante Moore to Notre Dame or somebody else, then it's bad. Yeah, what's the smoke with Dante Moore? I saw obviously, yeah, his name is still in the Notre Dame circles as well. Any any projection on where he's leaning or kind of where he's at right now? Because to your point, Michigan would probably freak out if that doesn't work out. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people feel feel with the CJ Carr commitment that Michigan is now in the driver's seat, sort of. Um, you know, he he's gonna take his time. He's he's a very confident kid. Um, you know, almost to the to border of cocky, which I like. Um I think Michigan's probably the leader for him. MLK is a program that's been good to Michigan State and Michigan over the years. Um, but Notre Dame is not giving up. Notre Dame is still in there. Um, C.J. Carr doesn't care if Dante Moore commits in the 2023 class, and Dante Moore doesn't care if C.J. Carr is in that 2024 class. So Michigan's in the driver's seat there, but you know it, it's still very iffy as to where he's going to go. Well, we talked about Notre Dame. Let's uh, let, let's let's transition there. I mean, wake up the echoes. They they do a fantastic market Freeman in year one. Certainly, his step on recruiting. What do you like so far about what you've seen about Notre Dame's recruiting class, and how much better do you think it could get? I know there's some names floating out there, right? Some crystal ball type stuff. How much better do you think it could get um, as this summer continues to go on? Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, and, and to have 15 commitments in June for Notre Dame to me is a little surprising. Um, you know, now we're in a day and age where you recruit ahead and you have to have half of your class, you know, committed by June and then 75 percent of your class by August. So I get that. But with the academic restrictions, usually a lot of these kids that they target are academic kids who will you know, either know they want to go to Notre Dame or wait it out and try to take a ton of visits and make a smart decision. So to get 15 kids on board, um, including, you know, to me, uh, you know, one five star and everybody else in this class is a four star kid. Um, it just shows Marcus Freeman gets it. He knows how to recruit. He relates to players. He was a kid that I covered in high school. So he's been around recently through the recruiting process. Um, and he understands, you know, the pressure that these kids are under. So it's one of those things where it's a very, very strong early class. Um, to keep it together will be interesting because they have to be successful. And that Ohio State game, the first week of the season, I mean, if they get blasted, uh, you know, they could lose a couple of guys. But it's the best start I've seen for Notre Dame since I've been doing this. And, and that says something because Notre Dame recruiting is always top ten. Does that say more about Marcus Freeman or more about Brian Kelly? Uh, I think more about Marcus Freeman. I, Brian Kelly put together some great classes. Brian Kelly went to the national championship game. Brian Kelly went to the playoff. Brian Kelly is the bar, right? He's the all-time winningest coach there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Marcus Freeman has yet to live up to that, of course, because he has an opportunity on the field. Um, Recruiting-wise, I, I just think he relates a little bit better. Um, and you got to remember Brian Kelly, even though it wasn't as public as Jim Harbaugh, he's flirted with the NFL a couple times. Um, sure. this LSU move wasn't a total shock to everybody who was close to him, you know, as far as looking for a program where he could, you know, sort of break the, the, the restrictions of academics and all this other stuff that comes with Notre Dame and just do what he wants and recruit a team that he wants. Um, so that, that I think that kind of held him back. Um, but I, I really do think this speaks more to Marcus Freeman and, and his ability to recruit, which 
surprises me a lot. I mean, this was a guy who was a, you know, defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Then he becomes defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Then, you know, after a year, he's the head coach at Notre Dame. Uh, the players love him and the players recruit mm -hmm. the kids and the recruits that are on campus talking to the players are just blown away by the love they have for Freeman. Yeah, I think the challenge of him, Mike, is can he stack classes, right? I mean, if he wants to build this thing into a powerhouse, can he stack class after class, right? I mean, you, obviously, you're talking early, you know, early June, here we are, but do you think he has the staying power if, if they perform on the field, which is the big if with any coach, right? Can he stack classes and sort of get Notre Dame into that perennial top five, top three recruiting class? Gotta win. I mean, that's what it comes down to in this day and age. The NIL is a factor, of course. You know, South Bend isn't exactly metropolis and competing with, you know, places like uh, Miami and, and, and L.A. And, and Dallas and some bigger markets is difficult. But Notre Dame is such a brand that NIL is not going to be a hindrance for him whatsoever. It's going to come down to winning. He's got three commitments in the 2024 class. All three of them are, you know, four-star kids. You know, Carr could be a five, depending on who you look at. Um, I think he does have that ability, but they got to win football games. <clears throat> and again, the bar is set so high. So there's two programs that I think coaches are stepping into where they have no choice but to go backwards. <clears throat> and one is Notre Dame. And one is Oklahoma because you just have to. I mean, you know, to win 10, 11 games at Oklahoma every year, to go to the playoffs multiple times, Brent Venables, the bar is so high that to raise the bar, he has to win 12 games. Uh, he has to win a national title. And it's the same at Notre Dame. Um, so I think you're going to see a little bit of a dip on the field for those two programs, including Notre Dame. The, the difference between Notre Dame and everybody else is, <clears throat> you know, the 40-year decision versus the four-year decision. Um, smart kids choosing Notre Dame won't stop. Um, it just – this is a tick up. So this is like a half notch higher than I've ever seen. <clears throat> and if they can continue this uh, with wins on the field, they will win a national championship. I, I just – I don't think they could do it on the field. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question and say – He's going to string together good classes. This class isn't going to finish number one, uh, but he's going to string together top 10 classes as Brian Kelly did. And I think he'll get as far as Brian Kelly did, which is best case scenario. You go to the championship game and you get plowed. <laughs> Uh, what about other schools, Mike? Is, is there any other school out there that, you know, maybe flying under the radar that you think is doing a really good job putting together a solid class? Obviously, you know, the kind of the top programs, but is there anybody you've got an eye on that you think is kind of sneaking up the board, maybe a school people would expect? Well, it's a little it's a little ridiculous right now in June because, you know, four of my top 10 teams are not traditional powers. Um, you know, one of them is Michigan State who is doing a tremendous job, even a better job than Michigan recruiting right now. You know, 11 commitments. I've got like eight of those guys as, as uh, four-star kids. It's very, very impressive what Mel Tunker's doing there. Um, you know, Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald, they're coming off a horrible year. You know, they've got 18 commitments, so they're higher in anybody's rankings because of those numbers, but they're putting together an extremely uh, good recruiting class with four stars, which they're like Notre Dame. It's hard to get them, but they're like yeah. Notre Dame without Notre Dame's, you know, tradition and 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 all the 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 you know the the pomp and circumstance that comes with Notre Dame. They're Northwestern, so he's doing a great job. Cincinnati, 
you know, after Fickle brought them to the playoff last year, they've got 20 commitments, which is high, and they will drop in, in my rankings. But their average star ranking to me is over three, which is hard for Cincinnati to do. But they're moving to the Big 12 in 2023. That's going to help them. And then Texas Tech. I mean, Joey McGuire is killing it. And, and, and it's not unexpected. Joey McGuire is a high school football legend in the state of Texas. He did a tremendous job when he was at Baylor. Now he's taken over a Texas Tech program, but selling Lubbock, that's not easy. Um, so he's really impressing me as well. Now, all this is going to shift out. You know, Ohio State's going to be in the top five. You know, Alabama's going to be in the top five. Georgia's going to be in the top five. Like the usual suspects will be up there. Uh, but these these four classes I mentioned, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, uh, you know, Northwestern and Michigan State will be better than their normal classes, it appears. And, and that's dangerous. We saw Michigan State. Close to the yeah. playoff run, you know. Cincinnati made it, um, so watch out for those four teams. Texas Tech is interesting, right? Because obviously, they're. I mean, well, the Oklahoma and Texas will stay in the Big Twelve for a couple seasons. I mean, the Big Twelve will be wide open. You mentioned the additions of UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. The Big Twelve will will be wide open. And I'm curious if if Texas Tech can, can stack classes. There will be a mantle to be had as soon as Oklahoma and Texas exit stage right. I don't know if that'll happen before the 25 season. I'm sure lawyers and people smarter than you and I are figuring that stuff out. But does Texas Tech have that opportunity, you think, to take that mantle if and when that new Big 12 finally forms without Texas and Oklahoma? Well, I, I love Joey McGuire. I think he's a fun guy. I, I don't know him that well personally, but I know people have worked with him and, and obviously his, his uh, you know, his reputation as a high school coach. And he's just he's a he's a down to earth, funny guy. So I put out a list of the five toughest places I feel <clears throat> the five toughest places to win in college football are. And Kansas wasn't on that five, right? Texas Tech was fifth. Vanderbilt's number one, you know, Duke, the, the usual suspects. But I had Texas Tech, you know, because Lubbock is just a hard area to recruit to. I mean, it's 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 not, you know, it's not Dallas. It's not Houston. It's, it's sort of like an off-the-beat Texas location and there's, you know, kids go there and sometimes they, they just not a lot to do. Um, so he sent me a message and he said, where's Kansas? You know, it was funny. And then he, and then he laughed and, and I said, okay, well, I'm just, I'm flattering you because you're going to win at Texas tech and I'm saying how hard it is. So go out and win. Um, he feels confident he can, you know, he's got, it's got talent there. This recruiting class is certainly going to help. Uh, what you mentioned in the Big 12, there's not going to be an alpha. You know, it's going to be jockey yeah. for position alpha-wise. So he, he's got a chance. The last time we saw someone win there, obviously, it was Mike Leach, and, you know, a guy named Crabtree and the upset over Texas and all that stuff. And they threw the ball 80 times a game. And, and then, of course, we saw Patrick Mahomes, you know, have success there, um, you know, throwing the ball a billion times. It's going to be a little bit different approach with Joey McGuire, and I think they're going to be better defensively. But I still have to be honest. It's a tough place to win, and I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to get the job done. Well, let's, let's, uh, this has been way too positive, Mike. Let's go negative. Who's struggling recruiting-wise right now that you're surprised that they haven't been able to put more names on the board? Who's, who's kind of in that bottom, that bottom tier that has you scratching your head? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I like Eli Drinkwitz at, at Missouri. 
I don't like the start they're off to with five commitments. I don't like, you know, that they've whiffed a little bit in the transfer portal. Um, I don't like a ton of what Florida's doing so far. They're kind of reaching on a few kids. Um, that's a little surprising to me, but Billy Napier blew that thing up. He went in there and he saw how bad it was under McElwain and then Mullen. And he said, listen, we got to start this over again. We don't care about star rankings or anything. We just want to get players that fit my system. Uh, but Florida is a little bit disappointing in, in their start. Um, Stanford was disappointing last year. They're disappointing this year. And I know they have academic restrictions, but they've finished as high as number five in the country. Uh, you know, when I was covering them, they have the ability to get great players and they're just not doing it. Um, you know, so I, I would put those programs, you know, as sort of a disappointment right now. The, the others, you know, Alabama's got four commitments and they're not ranked high. Who cares? Last year, I remember there was panic in March. In March, they had more decommitments than commitments at Alabama, right? In March, and people were freaking out. And I'm like, just shut up. You have no problem. These are, right. these are what I call pretty people problems, right? You, you five-star problems. You're going to be fine. You know, so people freaking out about teams like Alabama, you know, or LSU. Oh, Brian Kelly's a fish out of water, and they're not off to a great start. They're all going to finish in the top 10, probably top five for Alabama, probably top five for LSU, perhaps maybe sixth they're going to be fine. So I wouldn't freak out about any of that stuff. I would freak out though a little bit if I'm some of those schools I mentioned earlier, because you just don't know what's going on. Yeah. It's always, it's always a fun time. Like this has been a fun, uh, a fun little conversation. Uh, where can people keep up with you? Where can, where can people find your stuff? I know you got a lot of things happening these days. Uh, where can people find you? Give, give us all the plugs on how to stay connected with the Godfather of recruiting. Yeah. So it's MikeFarrellSports.com. You're putting up probably about four or five articles a day right now. That, that'll increase. You know, it's the off season. Uh, M. Farrell Sports at Twitter. I just put out my top 50 quarterbacks, and that just went. It went as I saw that. Day, I did it. Yeah. I saw no, that. Yeah. What's, no, no, what's the goal no, with that? I, yeah. I saw no. No. I saw no. Mikey Keen. I'm, I'm not offended by that. He, he's got to prove some stuff, right? But uh, you got a lot of blowback on that list, did you? I expect it. I mean, if yeah. you rank anything including 50 football teams, everybody's going to complain. It, what, what I find interesting, though, is when I put out lists like that is where is the complaint going to come from? Like, who's going to be the, the, the fan base that rises up and is so upset? And then there's the funny part. You know, there's the Florida fans saying, how dare you disrespect AR-15, Anthony Richardson, and then the other fans who said he, th he threw six touchdowns and five interceptions last year. He sucks. Um you know, and then there's the, then there's the you know the, the Michigan State fans were upset Peyton Thorne was behind DJ Wongalele at, at at Clemson, you know, and I get it statistically he shouldn't be, but this was a part part projection. Will Levis at Kentucky being so high was a big thing everybody freaked out about because they think I'm stupid. And then there's the complete morons that don't even look at the list or look at the list very quickly and say, "How oh, could you forget Devin Leary?" Uh, I had two morons do that, and he was fourth. Yeah, he's top five. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, come on. I mean, at least, at least peruse before. But what it is to me, it's it's. I love the opinions. I love to hear. They're all negative, of course. No one's saying what a great list, Mike. I love to hear. <laughs> I just like to hear what the fan bases feel and and say and 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 you know, listen. This guy should have been on here. How dare you not have touchdown Tommy DeVito transfer from Syracuse to Illinois and 
that type of stuff. So that the point of the list is not to say I'm perfect and this is right and all you guys suck. It's to sort of see where the feeling is from certain fan bases about their guys. Um, and, and I'm going to do running back. I'm going to do a billion of them. And it's to me, the engagement is what I'm after. Um, you know, for years and years, I was engaged on message boards, but they were premium behind the paywall message board. And eventually, I hope to make my site premium and behind a paywall someday. But right now it's free and Twitter's free and you can yell at me for free. And I like mixing it up with fans and people that I've never been able to speak to before because I couldn't collaborate with them like you. You know, I, I, I don't know what's out there because I was so living in this little bubble where I was I was restricted as to what I can do. And now every day is kind of fun. So that's what the website's about. That's what the Twitter, the, the Instagram's M Farrell Sports as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm everywhere. Facebook, you name it. Um, but really, MikeFarrellSports.com, if you want to support, you know, just go to the articles, read the articles, you know, share the articles with your friends, tell people about it. Let's get the traffic up there. Then the sponsors will come. Then the paywall will come. But I'm, I promise I'm going to make it very inexpensive. Uh, and then we can have some fun with it and I can bring on more people and produce more content, you know, but right now it's kind of like just for fun. Well, it's been a lot of fun letting you, uh, let, let me on here tonight, Mike, I appreciate you, uh, you, you hosting with me and, and giving me an opportunity here and, uh, an untethered Mike Farrell is definitely a good Mike Farrell. So make sure you give him a follow MikeFarrellSports.com for all your needs. And, you do uh, a great job, by the way, Adam, you do oh, a real appreciate job. you. I mean, the questions are excellent. Um, there's no hesitation. There's no fumbling. There's no nothing. Um, it, you really just set it up. And then the most important thing in anybody, I think, who's doing a podcast or interviewing somebody, you got to listen to the other person because when you listen to the other person, then you can segue into a different topic that wasn't planned, you know, and then that's what you did here. So I think I'm very impressed with you and what you've done. And this is the first time I've ever worked with you or listened to you, but you do a good job. Well, much like Arch Manning ceiling, it can only go down from here, Mike. But I appreciate you having me, and uh, and we'll hopefully we'll get a chance to collaborate. So everybody have a fantastic time. We're signing off, Mike Sparrow, Mike Farrell Sports. We're out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.